Hey, guys. It's good to see everybody here today. Man, it's been a while, huh? So just uh, also want to encourage you to pray for Pastor Roger. He's going through a, a real battle of cancer right now, cancer of the bones, and uh, he's undergoing chemo and took a three-month leave of absence. And it uh, feels like things are starting to turn, but I just want to encourage you to agree with me and other pastors in the area for his healing. God, we just thank you for a miracle for him. He's got a lot yet in him, and I pray, God, that you would help him fulfill his days here upon this planet and fulfill his destiny in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Um, so, hey, just real quick, I don't want to take a lot of time. Lance is going to come up and talk and share his heart, uh, but I just wanted to say Thanks for praying for me. Many of you know I've had a total knee replacement, um, and I'm in recovery and um, making progress. You know, it's a, it's a challenge. Sometimes it's two, two steps forward, one step back, but progress nonetheless, amen? <laughs> and we thank God for that. Thank God for a, a, just a, a wonderful team around here at Metro Believers Church that have carried uh, the ball down the field, Amen. Scored some touchdowns, right? And uh, we're thankful for that. I uh, just wanted to share, typically at the beginning of the year, I share a word for the year. And just, I'm going to sort of wet your whistle real quick with that word. And when I get back in the pulpit in a few weeks, I'll, I'll build on that. But um, there's a story in the Old Testament of uh, a prophet by the name of Elisha. And he, uh, he was in a city named Dothan. And um, this king had it out for him, him and the, and the children of Israel, and decided they wanted to take him out. So um, they came in and surrounded this little city, and, uh, you know, were pretty, pretty, uh, pretty forceful in their numbers. And it looked like, you know, problems were going to occur, and that was going to be the end of them. And so uh, the Bible says that, that Elisha's servant got up the next morning, and uh, he, he went out to look, and the Scripture says in verse 15, it's on the screen here, when the servant of the man got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. He said, oh, heck, <laughs> paraphrased, oh, heck, what are we going to do? Um, and Elisha said, don't be afraid. Those who are with us, everyone say us, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, I, I mean, I'm sure the servant's saying, like, what's this dude smoking, right? Because it doesn't look like that. And here's, check this out. This next verse, verse 17, is what we'll camp on for a little bit over the next few weeks. Uh, verse 17 says, And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he might see. Amen? Open his eyes, Lord, so that he might see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Here's the deal. There's another dimension. Did you hear me? There is another dimension that oftentimes we cannot see or don't see. And here's the word for the year, okay? Clarity. The word for the new year is clarity. And this is the sense I had as I was praying. The new year, the new year... 2020 speaks. 2020, right? The new year speaks. 
2020 vision. See, that's the idea that I feel like God wants to give us is he wants to give each and every one of us here in our own personal lives as well as the church 2020 vision. He wants to give us insight, clarity. He wants to cause things that are foggy and, and cloudy and confusing and, and, you know, a little bit not discernible. He wants to give us clarity to see, just like the Elisha's servant, to see the second, third, fourth, and fifth dimension, see, the things that are out there, the things that God's doing, the things that he's saying. I believe that God wants to make things clear. So the word for the year is vision or clarity, and I believe God's going to sort of reestablish himself and give you vision and clarity in your own personal lives as well as the church. Amen? I'm looking forward to it. We'll see you. God bless you. Thank you. Come on, Lance. All right. Get settled here. Where's is Pat Smith here this morning? No? Okay. Hey, um, he is heading up. He brought to our attention the No, no Regrets Men's Conference on February 1st. It's the first Saturday in February. And um, he called up, made it known to us and said, hey, um, any guys want to go? And he said, who, who will promote it? And so we put the finger back at him and put the ball in his court and said, hey, Pat, you're excited about this. You want to get some guys together. We... We put you in charge of that. And so he's like, my hand's up. I'm willing to lead the charge on that. So on February 1st, the first Saturday, over at Heartland Church in Sun Prairie, there's going to be a full day of um, men speakers um, speaking on different topics. And it's just going to be a great day. There was a lot of us men who went to New Glarus in years past, and we're blessed by this conference. It's a great way for us to join up with another church in our city. And um, just celebrate what God's doing in the lives of men and be encouraged. So um, we're going to pass around some clipboards. I'm going to have the ushers come up and pass those around. If you're in, interested in going, it's just $40. Um, and that's like, a, like 7, 30, 8 o'clock in the morning till 4 in the afternoon. And so we'll also have those back in the back if you want to think about it and sign up after church or later. That includes lunch, too. So $40, that includes lunch and the speakers for the whole day. So there's still time to um, sign up. So if you don't want to make a decision today, you have to check your calendar. We'll have the sign-ups, and you can see Pat for more information. Also would like to have the ushers come back forward and pass out any um, notes and pens if you guys want to follow along with the, the message this morning. You can do that. Open in your Bibles today to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. I'm excited to have my new ESV version Bible up here. I was using Lisa's for a couple weeks because I wanted to get mine engraved with my name on it. And, and Matt came up to me and said, hey, do you want to use my Bible too since you have Lisa's? <laughs> so Matt, I got my own now. I'm good. Luke chapter 5. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and, saw, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. 
And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will put down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. In verse 7, they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. What a powerful story. Let's pray. Father, here we are, a few weeks into a new year, a new decade. As we're looking at this passage of Scripture this morning, when you first called your first disciples and you called Peter, Lord, you challenged him to go deeper, to go out into deeper waters. And Lord, I believe that you're calling us individually this morning and corporately as a church to go deeper. And Father, I pray that beyond my words, that your spirit would take what is spoken today and what's in the word and just make it real and applicable in each person's heart here this morning. And may they be obedient to what the spirit is saying to them, Lord, and respond in such a way that they would see the full effect of what you want to do in their life today. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the scene. It's early in the morning on the northwest shore of the Lake of Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee as it's known to us today. It's the second largest body of water in all of Israel, 64 square miles inside. The fishermen have returned from a full night of fishing. They didn't catch anything. They're finished for the day and they're now washing their nets. Along the shoreline, the crowds are pressing in on Jesus. They are pressing in on him so tight, and the crowd is so large that it's barely incomparable for them to understand or hear what Jesus is teaching at the time. So he looks out into the water, and he sees two boats anchored, one of them belonging to Simon. Since we're more familiar um, with the name that Jesus later gives him, Peter, I want to refer to Simon as Peter for the rest of my message out of familiarity. And verse 3 says, getting into one of the boats, which was Peter's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and began to teach the people from the boat. And this is where it gets good. Because Peter loaned Jesus his boat. He saw a boat. See, Peter saw a boat, but Jesus saw a platform. We know that from past discoveries in this particular region that a typical fishing boat was used, that was used by fishermen on the Sea of Galilee at the time of Peter was around 27 feet long, 7 1⁄2 feet wide, and had the capacity to hold at least 15 passengers. It was a large and sturdy boat with a keel and not flat bottom like we are accustomed today to for fisher, fishermen boats today. A boat of this kind and size was a necessary tool for Peter's occupation. He ran 
a fishing business. It must have been a successful fishing business because towards the end, it says that he called his partners. So he had partners. How many know that people don't partner with unsuccessful people? Therefore, Peter was not just a fisherman by hobby or sport, but he was a successful fisherman by trade. See, Peter had a boat that Jesus saw as a platform to communicate good news and truth from that morning. The Bible says in Psalm 24, 1, the earth and everything in it belongs to the Lord. The world and its people belong to him. We sometimes think of our possessions as being ours alone. But how many know that we are our only stewards over the things that we possess, and it's for a short time? I've heard a lot of preachers say you'll never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul truck. You don't get to take it with you. Everything you own, the day that you are dead and gone from this earth, your possessions stay here. See, everything is from God and will return to God. I'm not just speaking of physical things, but also about our power and our influence and our authority. First Chronicles 29, 11 and 12 says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the vi victory and the majesty. For all that is in heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. And you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. And in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. See, whatever you have, whatever authority or influence you have been given, it's all given to you by God. And it will all return to him. He is all powerful and so all power is from him and returns to him. And I want you to get a grip on this reality this morning so that you don't get wrapped up in this idea of possessing things. Because how many know that when you get wrapped up in the idea of possessing things, that your things will begin to possess you? You need to hold those things loosely. Therefore, your house is not yours alone. Your clothes are not yours alone. Your kids are not yours alone. Everything you have is not yours alone and also belongs to God. And he allows us to steward them. And friends, he wants to use them to bring about his glory and use them as service to others. So I want you to do a quick inventory check in your mind for just a moment and think about all the things that God has entrusted you with. Whatever influence, whatever gift he's given you, whatever possession you have, will you allow God to use it as a platform. I knew when I was an employee at Yola's ca Cafe when it was named Meeting Grounds or Crema Cafe at the time. When I was an employee one day and became the owner the next day, and that's a different story for another time, that God was giving me a platform and as long as I allowed him to use it for his glory and for his service, that his anointing and blessing would, would um, lie upon it. But if I looked at it to be used only for influence or authority or to make, a, you know, beyond a living, um, try to be greedy with it, that God would take that away. 
his blessing away from it. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? And that's for you too, whatever you've been entrusted with. See, Jesus says, I, don't, I didn't just entrust you with a boat just to fish. He says, I don't mind you using it, Peter, for fishing. But it wasn't just given to you for that purpose. See, I knew when you got it. I knew when you bought it. I knew at that point that you were buying my platform. I led you to that job because I needed a, a platform there. I moved you to Madison because I needed a platform there. I gave you that promotion because I needed a platform there amongst those coworkers of yours. I sent you to the university because I needed a, a platform there. I let you be the first in your family to earn the degree because I needed a platform there. How many are with me this morning? Your ability is your platform, your degree is my platform. Your talent is my platform. Peter, can I use your boat? Peter, can I use your boat for my glory and as an honor, a way to honor me and so that I can use it as a service to others? And so Peter says, sure, you can use my boat. See, if Peter would have said no on that day, he would have lost his entire purpose. He would have lost his entire purpose but he discovered his purpose arbitrarily just by saying yes, just by being generous with what God had entrusted him with. See, Peter wasn't a believer yet. He could have viewed Jesus as insignificant. He could have said, Jesus, what do you know about fishing? I'm the fisherman. I'm the pro. I have the successful business. Plus, I just docked my boat, and I'm almost finished washing my nets. See, I'm getting ready to go home. I don't have time to mess with you or mess with this. If Peter responded that way, he would have shut the door on his destiny. He would have never known his life's full purpose. See, friends, I chose to preach from this passage this morning because I believe something is about to come to pass. In each of your lives, that is important enough that God wants you to hear the truths of what I'm sharing this morning. This morning, how you respond may very well have an effect on your life's purpose, on your destiny. Verse 3, Jesus tells Peter, put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Jesus taught the people from the boat. And this is what's so cool about this text. The text doesn't tell us what even Jesus taught. See, Dr. Luke, the author of this gospel, didn't find it important enough to share what Jesus taught at this particular moment. Matter of fact, none of the gospel writers record what Jesus taught at this particular moment. Because it wasn't so much in what Jesus said, but it was what he did that made all the difference at this time. The great theologian, Vince Lombardi, you know we're in Wisconsin, right? Once said, the measure of who we are is in what we do. 
In this instance, Jesus' actions spoke louder than his words. Verse 4 and 5, And when he had finished speaking, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Peter answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. See, Peter was done fishing for the day. There wasn't a thought in his mind about trying again. It's over. We didn't catch anything. I'm tired. It's been a long day already. Did you hear what I just said? Peter did not have a thought in his mind about trying again. The Bible says he was washing his nets. He thought it was over. He thought it was, he was finished. It didn't go well. Nothing was working. He had been at it all night and didn't catch a single thing. Peter had decided it's over. I'm done trying. I quit. How many of us are just like that? Due to life circumstances, we that we face at different times in our life, or maybe you're facing one right now, has decided to give up, throw in the towel. Maybe it's your marriage, your kids, an illness, the rat race of life, trying to fix something or somebody. Whatever it is, I'm sure you've faced times when you wanted to stop fishing, metaphorically speaking. Stop coming up empty. So you get out of the boat and you start washing your nets, signifying it's over. I want to encourage you this morning, if that's your situation right now, where you're contemplating giving up on somebody or something in your life, I want to encourage you this morning, don't throw in the towel yet. God may be getting ready to launch you into a new season to do a new thing in your life. Maybe your life's purpose and the fulfillment of that is right around the corner. Don't give up yet. And I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but the Lord says to you, stop washing your nets. You think it's over, but it's not over until God says it's over. Not only is it not over, not only does he want you to go back, but he wants you to go deeper. Friends, I believe he's calling all of us deeper. He's calling us to put out into deeper waters. This is certainly faith at its highest level to go deeper into something that's not working. Master, I've toiled all night. I have not caught a thing. I'm washing my nets. It's over. I'm throwing in the towel. It's all done. Don't you understand? Peter, I'm calling you deeper. Don't give up yet. I'm calling you to engage your faith and launch out into deeper waters. The metaphor here for deep water is rich in this text. See, deep water is the unseen world, the stuff we don't know. Moving to the deep water does not mean doing more of the same things that produced nothing before. Deeper water instead is going where God calls you to go. And usually that involves not being able to see everything that's below the surface. It's deep water. We go there in faith. And we trust God would not call us there to fail. We trust God would not call us there to fail. It's a place of trust, especially when all of our efforts in the past have failed us. So where would the deeper water be for Metro Believers Church? That's still for us to determine, for the leadership and for the people to determine. Are we going to pray? Are we going to seek God's heart? Are we going to go deeper together?
Currently, there's been a lot of transition and change in my own life as I've asked my myself that question. What's the deeper water for Lance? And that transition and change, as often, you don't know what's ahead, but you trust that God will not send you there to fail. Where's the deeper water for you? That's for God to show you. See, the way I see it this morning we're, is that we're all in the same place. That's why it's so important that we begin the year seeking God's heart, seeking God's face, saying no to things so that we can say yes to God, so that our spirit can be, and our spirit senses could be sharpened and keen so that we could hear what God is saying. Sometimes it's easier, I've found, to know when you're not in deeper water. We're not in deeper water when we're only seeking to survive or to maintain ourselves. Are you in agreement with that? See, we're not in deeper water when we only see the church as a building we visit instead of seeing the church as the people who make it up. This auditorium isn't the church. The steeples that you see throughout our city is not the church. Friends, you as believers make up the body of Christ in this city. We're not in deeper water when we spend all of our time and energy maintaining the nets and the boats, but we never actually fish. That's not it either. And you're not in deeper water when you can actually see the bottom, play it safe, control things, never take a risk, never get in a place where you're in over your head and you don't have to trust God. That's not deeper water. You've heard it preached from this pulpit or up here from the front many times, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. It's the definition of insanity to expect different results. What was missing for Peter that day? Was it his boat? Was it not good enough? Was it his nets? Was it the bait that he was using? Was it his fishing skills? I mean, he fished all night and came up empty. There's gotta be a problem with Peter. No, it wasn't about his boats, nets, bait, or abilities. It was all about his relationship with Jesus. It was how he responded to Jesus' request to go deeper. Verse 5, this is where it made all the difference. But at your word, I'm not one that's in the habit of reading from the King James Version, but I like how it reads here in this text, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down my nets. Nevertheless, at thy word, represents an overriding of Peter's flesh and his submission to the Spirit of God. See, when Jesus released Peter to put out into the deep, Peter's season in life shifted. In that moment, Peter had the choice, the choice, to either listen to his emotions, to listen to his flesh, or to give up and submit to where the Spirit of God wanted to lead him, put out into the deep. See, Peter made the right choice by choosing to submit to putting out into the deep one more time. Friends, you may have worked hard for years, months, or even days. No matter how long you've been working, when God declares your launch season is here, your striving officially ends and your season of harvest begins. 
but the choice is ours today. Master, I've toiled all night. Master, we've been at this for a long time. We're washing our nets. The boat is docked. It's anchored. It's time to go home. You don't fish during the day. Plus, you're not going to catch fish out in the deeper waters. Everything Jesus was asking him to do defied logic. Defied everything that he had been taught, all of his experience. He said, Peter, don't listen to your flesh. Don't give in to your emotions. Listen to what the Spirit is speaking and launch out into the deep. Never master. See, it changed. He called him master. Something had happened. There was a switch in Peter's life. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will put out into the deep and I will let down my nets. Master. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will put out into the deep. I will engage my faith. I will trust you. Even though it goes up goes beyond all my experience in human logic, I will do it. Because I believe that you wouldn't send me out there to fail. Let's stand this morning. So excited about what God wants to do here today. Just wrapping up my message the other day, finishing up things. Started to get chilled, started running a fever. And see, I have a rare condition called sweet syndrome. And you know you have it because you start running a fever and you get the chills and everything. And then usually the protocol is Lisa will lift up the back of my shirt and, and look because it attacks your trunk, your arms. It could attack your face. But in most cases for me, it attacks my waistband where there's nerve bands. Started to break out. And usually it takes like three days. It's like, oh, man. This really stinks. The doctor thought for a long time, because I used to get it like every three months for a while, um, several years ago, that it was shingles or something. And finally, they sent off a culture to San Francisco Mayo Clinic, and it came back, and they, there was one doctor here who had seen, um, seen this at the VA hospital, and she said, this is sweets. Nothing to do with sweets. It just happens to be named after Dr. Robert Sweet, who first discovered it. Um, I won't go into all the ins and outs and the symptoms and the causes and all those things anymore, but just to say that I feel at that moment, I'm like, you know, I'm usually going to be out. So I said, hey, brothers, PG, Matt, Dave, Dan, 
Um, I put my heart into this, and I believe it's a word for the church, but I might not be able to speak. And luckily, the fever broke that night. Um, it still has, I still probably need to get some prednisone or something like that to take care of it yet this week. But that song kept coming, I kept replaying, I'm like, you know, Jesus has the last word. You know, and I just, and then I came in this morning and just talk about, and I was like looking around and it was I'm like, where is everybody? And Lisa said, it's cold. I'm like, yeah, but it's always cold in Wisconsin. I said, Lord, help people to come in while we're even worshiping. Not for my ego or anything like that, but just because I believe that God has a word for us today. It doesn't matter if it was me or Matt, Dave, Dan, or PG, or anybody else, Manuel, up here. And so can we give Jesus the last word this morning? Can we maybe even do things that maybe we haven't done before? What's that mean? To ignore the flesh this morning, ignore the fear, the anxiety. Can we step out? And as we sing this word, oceans, if you would say in your heart, Lance, I want to go deeper. I'm with you this morning. I want to be in the boat with Jesus. I want to see what this next season of my life is. As we sing the word oceans today, will you walk out into the waters with Jesus this morning? Will you walk up here signifying a level, a statement of faith? And can we just close out this morning worshiping together as a church body around the front, praying for one another this morning? Is that okay? Let's sing this song together.